Welcome to the Pastor's Cut Podcast for the week of February 20th, 2022. Uh, Before we get into our text for for this week, which is Luke chapter 8, we have some unfinished business. We must name the song that Brad has written for us. Name that tune. Let's do it. Name that tune. So I have uh, six entries, and I'm going to go through them, and I'm going to let Dave and Marissa decide, okay? And uh, Brad is also in the studio. We've now given him a microphone. Brad, say hi to the folks at home. Hi, folks at home. Brad is our sound engineer, um, and so he now has a microphone, but I've told him to only speak when spoken to. And so uh, we'll, we'll take a little vote here. So here are the, the uh, names we have for Brad's wonderful song here. Uh, Catholic Dave uh, calls it Pastor's Smooth Notes. Okay. Uh, Sandy with the mustache calls it The Pastor's Wave. Uh, Kevin the Baptist from Texas calls it Tuesday Trek. Uh, Chelsea, come sit with me. Paul calls it Smoke Break. <laughs> Which one is not like the others? And we've had a late anonymous entry. Okay, I don't want to tell you who, who entered this, but a late entry. The song should be called I've Fallen and I Can't Get Down. Ouch. <laughs> so, of those titles, Dave and Marissa, I, w- I want you to kind of, you know, choose which one's your favorite. Pastor Smooth Notes, The Pastor's Wave, Tuesday Trek, Come Sit With Me, Smoke Break, and I've Fallen and I Can't Get Down. Can we alter one? <laughs> we can do anything we want to. Okay, so so here's what I'm thinking. Um, our, our friend, was it Catholic Dave? Catholic Dave. What if we call it Pastor Smoothie? Pastor Smoothie. Are you trying to make it better like or a worse? Juice bar. I don't. I don't know if I'm trying to make it better or worse, but it's. I like. Go I ahead. like. Come sit with me. Come sit with me. As we invite people around the table, and as Jesus invited his followers to sit at his feet. Oh, did a little Jesus juke oh, on us there. I did. That. I like a juke. She, she spiritualized it. <laughs> All right, Brad. And then I also have to shout out Rhonda Fisher, who uh, oh, okay. I don't have a, a name for her. Rhonda Fisher without a mustache. Oh, that'd, be that? that'd be fun. That'd be fun. She uh, suggested contextual skanking, which is kind of a callback to uh, <laughs> a few weeks Darren's ago. Oh. favorite episode. Contextual skanking. Yes. How about that? We'll, we'll call her Rhonda with the cowboy husband. That's I that's like what it. we yeah. <laughs> contextual skanking. So Brad, you get the final say. We've we've had a bunch of alternatives here. We've kind of narrowed it down just a bit. What could we combine to? Like take the come walk with me or sit with me and like take the smoke thing and do like come smoke with me? <laughs> oh my. That, and we're just wow. for the audience at home, we're talking about incense being yes, going or, up to God, okay, like I'm, prayers. I'm not sure. Seriously, my vote would be come come sit with me or come whatever that is. I like that one. So um, I'll make the call. We'll, <laughs> we'll call it come sit with me. Um. And I think we have a winner. How about that? The smooth stylings of Brad Henderson have been aptly named. Come, <laughs> come sit with come me. Come sit with me. I like I've fallen, but I can't get down. 
That's it's pretty good. That that's that's kind of a, a tongue in cheek. Why don't we why don't we say come sit with me? And you know sometimes a, a title will have like in parentheses. I've fallen, but I can't get down. Oh, no. The parentheses name is longer than the song. Name. <laughs> All right, so come sit with me. It is uh, Chelsea. You have a $5 Sonic card courtesy of Brad Henderson coming your way. I love being generous with other people's money. <laughs> yeah, I love how we just voted for that to happen. That's perfect. All right. So we're going to jump right in. Uh, February 20th, we're covering Luke chapter 8. I'm technically preaching on uh, verses 4 through 15. This is the parable of the sower. Uh, we're at that part in this teaching series where we're going to be looking at three major parables of Jesus. Okay, this is the the parable of the sower. Uh, then we're going to go on next week to Luke chapter 10. We're going to talk about the Good Samaritan parable. And then Luke 15, which is really three parables in one, uh, the parable of the sheep and the coin and the son. But these are three major parable blocks in the Gospel of Luke. But before we get to verse 4, Marissa wanted to talk specifically about verses 1 through 3 that kind of talks about the the entourage that Jesus sure. had around him. Do we want to read the scripture first, or are we good? Just jump in. You know, let me read 1 through 3, okay. and, then, um, and then I'll let you comment on it. After this, it's terrible. They have, I always have to remind the pastor to read the, the scripture. <laughs> After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household. Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. Marissa, go. Sure. Um, so when we picture the disciples of Jesus, we often just imagine the 12, the 12 men who had later become the apostles, minus Judas. Um, but Jesus had many, many disciples that followed him and who were equally devoted to Christ and equally devoted to their role among the followers. Um, and this group included many women, and we see their names here. Um, we get to know Joanna a little bit. We get to know Mary Magdalene. And then we have Susanna, who this is her only mention in the New Testament. Um, but we know that these women were loyal, that they were generous, that they were servant to the people. Um, they're described as diaconia, which is deacon or deaconess, which is an anticipation of the later office of the church. And their presence is really um, to support the ministry of the teachers as they teach the people and also to minister themselves, to be servants to the congregated followers, just like deacons and deaconesses today. Their presence also encouraged other women and marginalized people to give their attention to Jesus, that this is a man that could be trusted, that this is a man that really could see you and, and know you and know your hearts, um, to understand that Jesus was someone that um, was doing something new and something that was for everyone. It's, um, it's really important for us to see ourselves in the leadership of a group and in, in, within that sphere. Um, and when women see other women represented in a ministry, it's an immediate breath of fresh air. And I think that's something that men don't realize and don't, um, don't understand as much as that it's just, it's an immediate sense of levity that I am welcome here. And it's something that's so rare within religious spheres, especially in this day when rabbis didn't invite women to hear their teaching, didn't invite them into the circle to come sit with them. Um, women were invited to kind of sit at the periphery 
and to like listen in underneath the doorway or at the doorways or underneath the windows to the teaching. But Jesus said, approach, come, follow me to these women as well. So um, Mary Magdalene, just briefly, um, she uh, is, is someone that we don't know a lot about, but we like to imagine that we know a lot about her. Um, we imagine this, this beautiful woman um, who was... Um, <laughs> who was once a prostitute and he was, you know, um, redeemed by Jesus. But that's more Da Vinci code than it is yeah. actual scripture. Um, we, uh, she was not a prostitute. We know that she had seven demons that Jesus healed and restored her. But it was actually uh, an aside in a sermon from the 6th century Pope Gregory the Great who kind of attributed this lifestyle to her that was a little bit slanderous, I think. <laughs> so Pope Francis and, uh, and other popes since then have tried to kind of rehabilitate her image. And uh, Pope Francis especially has called her enthusiastic apostle of hope. Oh. So these were women that were loyal from the beginning to the end of Jesus's life. They supported him with generosity and they're people that we can all look to as, um, as examples of what a disciple should be. And, and this wasn't an isolated event in Jesus involving women in ministry. Um, we see Mary and Martha in Luke chapter 11, I believe it is, uh, where, where Martha's busy in the kitchen and Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet. And we often take that as, okay, you're either Martha, you like to stay busy, or you're Mary, more contemplative. I think we're reading our own you know, spiritual conditions back on that just a bit. Right. The scandalous thing would have been, and, and this is a different Mary. Mary and Martha were the sisters of Lazarus. So it's a different Mary than Mary Magdalene. Uh, but but what was revolutionary about this is that Mary was allowed to sit at Jesus' feet, which was the posture of a disciple. Right. Sitting at somebody's feet was saying, you're my teacher. And Jesus not only allowed that, he encouraged that. Right. I'd like to read a Dorothy Sayer quote, if read, I might. I, I love little D. Sayer. <laughs> a prophet and teacher who never nagged at them, never flattered or coaxed or patronized, who rebuked without demeaning and praised without con condescension, who took their questions and arguments seriously, who never mapped out their sphere for them, never urged them to be feminine or jeered at them for being female. Perhaps it is no wonder that women were first at the cradle and last at the cross. They had never known a man like this man. There has never been such another. First at the cradle, first at the cross, last at the cross, but also first to give witness to the resurrection of Jesus. Okay, so before we go into the parable, uh, and I'm going to ask Marissa to read verses 4 through 15 here in just a moment. Uh, I do want to talk about Jesus' uh, love for telling stories. Um, we were reading a, a book as a staff uh, called a church called Tove, and it's, that's the Hebrew word for good. And so what does it mean to have a goodness culture within a church? And, and um, one of the little quotes in the book talks about narrative that we make sense of life through stories. And I think we all do this. I mean, if you're talking to somebody for too long, you're going to start hearing stories about their life. And their stories... Um, is our stories is the way that we make sense of our own existence. And so it's very natural that Jesus would use stories to communicate the most important thing of all, and that is the kingdom. Uh, I like what Eugene Peterson says too. He says, um, stories, Jesus' parables, are narrative time bombs. Isn't that a great little little idea? Mm, yeah. Yes, he would, it is. He'd, he'd tell the story, he'd hide it in your heart, put it in your mind, and when you least expect it, you know, it goes off. And uh, and that's where it ends, the allegory. That's where it ends, It gets yes. a little messy after that point. It gets a little messy after that. Literally. But uh, <laughs> now, it, it does. Now, I'd, I've stepped back from somebody else called uh, Jesus' parables, weapons of mass instruction. 
Should I use that in a sermon? Go for it. Whatever. I'd say all kinds of things. <laughs> so, so these are stories that are meant to get inside of us, and maybe even they're, they're dormant for a time, but then they explode with meaning and potential and understanding and insight. There, I've taken that. I've taken the allegory another step, <laughs> but I've made it an explosion of creativity and love not it. destruction. There you go, Dave. Dave anything, you go. You're, anything you're dying to say before Marissa reads? Oh, there's all kinds of things, but I, it's it's all related to the text. I, I love okay. how. So, if you need to wait, I can wait. Let's wait. I'm going to give you first word after Marissa reads. Okay. All right. So this is um, Luke chapter eight, verses four through fifteen, the parable of uh, the sower, the seed, and the soils. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. His disciples asked him what this parable meant, and he said, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that through hearing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand, though seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. Sorry. Good. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. May the Lord give us good, fertile hearts. Um, I'm going to turn it over to Dave. Let me, let me share just briefly because we often talk about the seed and, and the soils in this, and that is a fair evaluation of this parable. But what's often overlooked is the sower. And Tom Wright, who's my favorite living Anglican theologian, Mm, such he, a good guy. He's a mm-hmm. good guy. Um, when he when he teaches through this parable, he says we can't overlook the sower because he's being rather extravagant with the seed. He's throwing it everywhere. Uh, you'd think if you had only so much seed that you'd be careful that it doesn't follow fall on the path or on the thorny but thorny soil. But but the the, the sower is being rather careless and even reckless, and it's the picture of. A farmer restarting the farm, mm-hmm. you know, he's, st- he's starting over again, mm. and so that's kind of God is is always ready to start something new in our lives, and He is, as as First John three says, what what love the Father has lavished on us mm-hmm. that we should be called children of God. So there's mm-hmm. this picture mm-hmm. of of almost a reckless um, tossing out of of the seed, no matter where it falls. Uh, God wants to restart the farm. So Dave, what you got? So even even in that, you know, a lot of people talk about how how careless the farmer is that he's casting seed everywhere. At the measure of of the soil is in the condition of the heart. That that word Luke repeats again and again, cardia, the the heart. It's not something you can see. It's visible on the surface. It's something that's down beneath things. And so there's something about that that the farmer doesn't necessarily or isn't able to see oh, the good. condition of the soil at, at the beginning. 
He just throws it out wherever. And then the condition of the heart is what judges where the soil is and the receptivity of it. So the condition of the soil is revealed by what it does with the seed. The condition of the heart is revealed by what it does with God's Word. Yes. And so that's it, I, that hit me this morning as I was studying, looking at it. Uh, A.T. Robertson, as he was describing the heart in, in these different settings, that, that there's something more there yeah. about that. So, so a big word that I'm going to be using through these three parables, these three major parables of Jesus, and notice this, I'll be asking us each week to prayerfully discern what this story has to say to us. And that discern is a, is a big spiritual-sounding word, and it kind of is, and I used to define discernment as just spiritual decision-making, but it's more than that. It's, it's getting a read on who we are. And so to discern our hearts based on this parable. What, what are we doing with God's Word? And to really let this story get inside of us and let it reveal something about what our heart is, depending on what it does with the Word of God. Marissa, you're scrolling there on your little <laughs> MacBook. Looks like you I'm got just, something I'm just, to say. I'm still um, kind of reeling that, your, uh, that Dave's first word definitely became a second word. But... Uh, What's that? Say that again? My first <laughs> word became a second word? You, you for sure are going to get the first word, Dave, but first... Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. Yes, Sorry, but that's okay. Dave. It's, it's all good. Yeah. First, so, I mean, first I can... is the worst, second is the best. That's right. That, that's right, Darren. yeah. There yeah. you okay, go. Sorry. There you go. Sorry, I tend to run over people and dominate the conversation. <laughs> you're Which good. you're allowed to do. You you're are definitely. the lead pastor. It yeah. is the pastor's cut. Yeah, well, that's right. All right, so... Marissa, something you want to offer at this point? Sure. Well, I really um, love this image of God sowing the seeds as a creation image. So according to Origin of Alexandria, this is a creation image meant to mirror Genesis 1. And and the sower is planning the gospel and making the receptive and enthusiastic hearts the new location for his garden. So Eden was this place of complete shalom and goodness where God and his people could walk and talk together. And this is the, the goal of the gospel is for that renewed relationship, that restored relationship um, with God that's possible for each of us if we allow him to cultivate um, that garden in our own lives. So um, I think about uh, how each of us have the potential for each of those soil types within our own lives, right? That we, um, from day to day, can be a little bit rocky, that's right. a little bit thorny. Some days we may delight and hold on to the truth that, that the gospel has for us. And then other days it may feel like we're on the path and there's no soil at all. Um, every person on earth falls into one of those soil categories and each person has those soil categories within their own heart. So I do, I do want to sit on that because we often say, okay, there, here's these four soils. We've got to fit people that we know or ourselves into one of these categories. When in reality... All of these categories fit into our life at some point or another. Right. Yeah. We all stray from the path. We all have to be shepherded back. We all allow the thorns to choke us sometimes. We yep. have to be reminded that God's light shines even when it, the, all those thorns and all those weeds seem to block the sun. Thus the word discernment, hmm. to discern the condition of our heart right now. Mm -hmm. And uh, also to be aware and determined that we, we want to be that good soil and we want to stay in that category if at all possible. Dave? I love some of the imagery of, of the Greek in, in the text. So there's, you know, verse 13, those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but after they have, uh, but they have no root, they believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. That, that word for testing is, 
is the word that we get schizophrenic from. That there's something about just whatever they're walking through, whatever season they're going through in life, it's so crazy and so oh, chaotic yeah. that their focus ends up on the busyness of life and, and all of that, that schizophrenic craziness instead of on what God's word was in their lives. And so initially they held on to it, but then they got quickly distracted. That's interesting. Yeah. Dave's always good for a good Greek word. I love it. Can you pronounce that Greek word? Do you know what it is right off the hand? I don't know what just, it is right off the hand. Just make it up and nobody's <laughs> going to know any different. Skitsidzamai or something like that. There we go. Perfect. Beautiful. Say it with confidence. All right. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So uh, let's, let's kind of wrap it up. Any any last words that we have? Anything that you're just dying to say? Sure. Uh, I think some of us with a little bit more spiritual anxiety than most might be afraid when we read this parable that we ourselves are rocky or thorny um, and that there's no hope. Um, on a bad day, I may see myself as fickle. I may forget, um, you know, the joy from when we first believed. Um, but first Peter one twenty three says that we have been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. So as we see God as the sower in this parable, we need to remember that he is also a gardener. Um, that he doesn't sow and run, he tends the garden of our hearts, that he weeds and he waters and he fertilizes the soil and he shines his light on us so that we can grow straight and strong towards heaven and live into our identity as people who produce a crop for him. Again, a great Garden of Eden creation image there. Dave? Uh, You know, the word good is repeated three times in verse 15. In, in the English, it's translated twice as good, once as noble, but it's two words there, um, agathos and kalos, and both words there have this image that, that are typically attributed to God. You know, qualities not just of ethical nature, but something deeper, something... We've been reading this book, the, the church called Tove, that talks about goodness that goes back to Genesis 1, that God looked at the, all of creation and said it was good. That quality comes from God. It's who God is, and yet it's good soil that, that we have. I think when we spend time with God, there's something in there about that. God transforms us and makes us good. Our heart is then transformed to his image and likeness such that then we have that that soft soil, that fertile soil ready to receive the word. So there's something in there about abiding with God, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. that enables us to receive that word, that God transforms us and God's goodness gets implanted in us. Very good. Soil after God's own soil. There you go. Beautiful. <laughs> to, to rephrase David. So I, I want to end uh, this where Jesus ends the parable um, about, and this is, this is a great way to pray for ourselves in verse 15. God, help my heart be like that good soil, uh, noble and good. Help me to hear your word, retain it, and persevere. And that, that word perseverance, I want to I sit on that for just a second because that's um, I think that's the call to action that Jesus gives us at the end of this parable is I want you to persevere. Don't, don't let the devil get a hold of you. Don't be distracted. Don't be discouraged. Persevere. As my good friend Winston Churchill says, <laughs> he and I were talking this morning, he said, if you're going through hell, keep going. And that's, that might not be the most biblical-sounding thing, but it's, um, it has a lot of spiritual truth to it. Persevere, keep going. And we live in a very anxious and angry world right now. When you're tempted to give up, that's when it matters the most that you keep going. So let's have that be our final word. Uh, Chelsea, a gift card is coming your way. Uh, And uh, I'm going to bless us, and then we're going to listen to the song, 
come sit with me. May the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you now and forever. Amen. Thank you.